Brian McClanahan Show, episode 233. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back in the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. You can find all my social media buttons at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. You'll see all those buttons at the top of the page. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can also support The Brian McClanahan Show there by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep these lights on if you're watching the podcast, help keep the podcast going. You can also order book plates. If you want to get my autograph on your books, you can order them there. It's a great way to do that. You can also support The Brian McClanahan Show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com where it's always free to enroll. You enroll, it's free, great deal. I'll give you a free course when you do it, 10 Myths of American History. And you'll also get a coupon for some discounts. So you can do that. It's a great way to do it. Great way to support the show. I've got six classes for sale there. Tremendous stuff. You want to? You want those classes. And plus, when you enroll, you get the best deals on forthcoming courses when they do come out. I should have two more coming out this year. So a lot of great stuff at McClanahan Academy. It's a great way to support the Brian McClanahan Show. And, of course, get some great stuff for it. So it's not just the podcast you're getting, which is the free stuff. You're also getting some courses as well. So good deal there. Also, you can support the show by going to LearnTrue, T-R-U-E, History.com, LearnTrueHistory.com. It's a great website, a lot of bang for your buck. Tom Woods, Kevin Goodsman, Brad Berzer, Jason Jewell, Bob Murphy, yours truly. A whole lot of great instructors. And uh, you've got uh, economics, philosophy, history, great stuff. So go to LearnTrue, T-R-U-E, History.com. That is my affiliate link for Tom Woods' Liberty Classroom. And you can always get your Brian McClanahan Show logo on my Brian McClanahan Show gear page. You just go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. See shop at the top of the page. Click on that. Take you out there. All kinds of great stuff. So a lot of ways to support the Brian McClanahan Show. And, of course, share this thing around on social media. Share it with your friends. Rate it on iTunes or Apple Podcasts now. Uh, Make sure that people are seeing this. Go to YouTube and share it there. Comment on things because that helps people see these episodes. And that's a great way to spread the message. All right, this is a fun topic for today. I say it's a fun topic because um, it's an email that I received from a real quote-unquote fan, right? So I love these things, uh, not because this person really is a fan, but because they're trying to uh, make a point, and they're so stupid they fail at it. I mean, this is, I have to point out the stupidity. Uh, the, this is just great stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually uh, mix in a couple of different things here. Um, so there two things. One is, one is a tweet that, uh, that I received. Um, one is the uh, is the email. So let's start with the email. Uh, the email says, uh, this is from a, uh, uh, an individual writing in. I'm not going to name him because it will just be too embarrassing. But uh, he does sign his name to this, uh, embarrassingly enough. He says, quote, just curious how many black men or women gave speeches that day. And he's talking about the dedication ceremony to Silent Sam at the University of North Carolina, which has now been pulled down by a mob. 
Nobody knows if this thing is going to be put back up. This is part of our ongoing effort in America to destroy symbols of American history, right? Uh, it's not, and, and, and I mentioned this many times. Once these Confederate statues come down, the other statues are going to follow. The, the, George Washington is going to come down. Thomas Jefferson is going to come down. We're already seeing it. James Madison, the Constitution, the, de <clears throat> the Declaration, anything that has to do with Southern history. And not just that, because I'm going to point out, you better be careful in the North about this stuff, because the North is not free from sin in this way. And so if we're going to tear down monuments to that were put up by white supremacists, well, let's just tear down every single Civil War monument, with the exception of maybe a handful, in the entire United States. Let's just tear them all down, because they were all put up by white supremacists. Right? They were all put up by white supremacists or people that had white supremacist belief, and they were all put up in the era of Jim Crow. So let's keep going. I wonder how many, well, how many, I'll get into some things here. This is funny. You can talk all you want about devotion, service, blah, 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 but you can't get around, I mean, that's highly intellectual right there, but you can't get around the fact that these noble warriors, quote unquote, took up arms against the United States of America in defense of slavery, period, end of discussion. But that, then he continues. The speeches were given and the statue was dedicated in the heyday of Jim Crow when lynching was commonplace. Atrocities like the one Julian Carr reveled in and boasted about went unpunished while statues were being erected to commemorate white supremacists. Why would anyone want to glorify this regrettable period of American history is beyond me. This is not anything to be proud of. Okay, so let's let's just unpack, you know, un unpack this thing. Just curious, how many black men or women gave speeches at dedication ceremonies in the North? There weren't many uh, at all. So it was mostly or mostly dedicated by white individuals because most of the soldiers in the United States Civil War were white. I mean, North and South. I mean, this is known, right? So there, was, there, were, there were black soldiers, of course, North and South. Now, of course, the black, quote-unquote, soldiers in the South, um, there were those that did have firearms, we can talk about black Confederates. I've already done that. Whether I mean the the existence of black Confederates, how many they were, I think this is often overplayed. But there were at least a handful that we know of um, that did have firearms. So uh, while there weren't entire regiments, they were there. And uh, in in fact, in Mississippi in 1890, one of the legislators in the state of Mississippi called himself a black Confederate in the legislature. He said, "Look, I support." paying for a Confederate memorial because I think this is great. We should recognize these people. I was a, I was a Confederate too. I wore the gray. So if, if there's one, then they existed, right? If there's one, then they existed. Uh, so, I mean, this is a stupid argument. So how many gave a speech? Well, how many gave a speech in the North? You can't, you can talk all you want about devotion, service, but you can't get around the fact that these noble warriors took up arms against the United States in defense of slavery. Okay, so let's just unpack that statement for a second. Let's go to the arch-confederate James McPherson, uh, arch-neo-confederate James McPherson, and, and read what he had to say about Southerners taking up arms in defense of slavery. And um, so I'm going to, I'm gonna again, this is the arch-neo-confederate James McPherson, whose neo-confederate book, Battle Cry of Freedom, is used as a college textbook on the war across the United States. He's such a neo-confederate that uh, he is completely devoted to the, the believing that the reason for the war was slavery. So he's such a neo-Confederate. This is what the neo-Confederate James McPherson has to say about the issue. Uh, he said, uh, quote, some Confederate volunteers did indeed 
avowed the defense of slavery as a motive for enlisting. So he points it out. Yeah, there were some. Absolutely. Um, but most Southern volunteers believed they were fighting for liberty as well as slavery. And I think you could just say liberty and then cut out the next part because the evidence goes all in that direction. The invocation of founding fathers was, a com was common among Confederate volunteers as among their Union counterparts for an opposite purpose. Just as the American patriots of 1776 had seceded from the tyrannical British Empire, so the Southern patriots of 1861 seceded from the tyrannical Yankee Empire. This is this arch-Confederate James McPherson saying this. For Union and Confederate volunteers alike, abstract symbols or concepts such as country flag, constitution, liberty, and legacy of the revolution figured prominently in their explanations of why they enlisted. For Confederate soldiers, now these are the same people that this Nimrod here in this email is saying went for in defense of slavery. For Confederate soldiers, a more concrete, visceral, and perhaps more powerful motive came into play. Defense of home and hearth against an invading enemy. Well, there it is right there. That's slavery. I mean, clearly, that means slavery. And we, we can't get around it because defense of home and hearth means slavery. So, period. End of discussion. That's what it means. Because the arch-neo-confederate James McPherson said it. Uh, so, I mean, here, here's, we could, we, I could go on with that. I mean, that's just a snippet. It's the whole book for cause and comrades. If you're looking for cause and comrades, get this book. I mean, he's not, he doesn't, he doesn't deny that some Southerners went to war to fight for slavery. He doesn't deny that some union soldiers went to war to end slavery. What he does say is that the majority who took up arms on either side didn't go to war for either, for, for that reason at all. Most, in fact, the vast majority didn't go to war for that particular reason at all, north or south. Why did Union soldiers go to war? This is a fun one. <laughs> I'm going to use this book. If you haven't read this one, it's um, it's uh, William Marvel, Mr. Lincoln Goes to War. This is a fun book. Mr. Lincoln Goes to War. Uh, William Marvel is by no means pro-South. Neither is James McPherson. I mean, I'm joking about neo-Confederate. James McPherson is probably one of, one of the most anti-Southern Civil War historians out there. But yet he gives the South its due, and he says, I mean, this pe these people weren't fighting for slavery. So William Marvel is very critical of the South. Very critical of the South. But what he's also critical of is the North. Why did Northerners go? Why did Northern soldiers sign up? Um, he says this, quote, the soldiers themselves emphasize how influential financial incentives have been to their enlistment when government agencies failed to come across with the economic inducements they had promised. In other words, they were going to war because they wanted to line their pockets. This was a job. A Massachusetts recruit who encountered the same broken promises frankly confessed they had only enlisted in order to provide for his wife and both with both army pay and state aid. In other words, these people are going on to, to, into the army so they can get paid. They're going into the army to get paid. They're going in because they're jobless. The economic downturn in the North forced a lot of men, a lot of men, to sign up for the war. 
So this is fun, right? That's fun. It's fun to go and to dive into the reasons why these men went and fought. And what you'll find is that, number one, slavery wasn't the motivating factor for most Southerners, and slavery wasn't the motivating factor for most Northerners. For the North, it was abstract symbols, as McPherson points out, or because they just they were jobless immigrants or others, and they just wanted a paycheck. They weren't getting paid in the South. I mean, there was, these people, there was no money in the South. So these people were signing up, were more devoted to the cause of independence and hearth and home than any other people in American history. More devoted than even the American War for Independence. That's why those monuments are there. That's why those soldiers' monuments are there. Why, I mean, look, and then, and then let's get into this next paragraph. The speeches were given, the statue was dedicated in the heyday of Jim Crow. Uh, yeah, right, okay, so that had everything to do with it. It was all about Jim Crow. So I'm sure that the monuments that were erected in the North at the same time were all about Jim Crow. Like, I mean, I'm sure, for example, so we're looking about the late 19th century, early 20th century, that the monument to William Tecumseh Sherman was in Washington, D.C. in 1903. Or how about George McClellan? Or how about Philip Sheridan? Um, or how about the Grand Army of the Republic Memorial in Washington, D.C.? How about the uh, Lincoln Memorial in 1922? I mean, this is clearly erected for white supremacy. I mean, Lincoln himself made white supremacist statements. So this is clearly about Jim Crow because this is erected in the height of Jim Crow. Here it is. Jim Crow's going on. How about the Grant Memorial in D.C.? How about the United... Well, uh, how about... Um, let's just go into some of the states. How about the, um, the Soldiers and Sailors Monument Arch in Hartford, Connecticut? Clearly put up in 1886 during the height of Jim Crow, or right around the time of Jim Crow. Um, and in fact, Connecticut was, you can find that Jim Crow was, the term was actually used in Connecticut in the antebellum period, which is, so certainly they were involved in Jim Crow. I mean, this is all about Jim Crow because they invented the term. Or how about uh, in Illinois, the Soldier's Monument, uh, 1871, the Civil War Memorial in 1896, um, it's clearly erected. How about the General Philip Sheridan Monument in Chicago in 1923 by Goodson Borglum, who was a Klan member, right? I mean, here it is. He puts up a monument. I mean, he, he, how about Mount Rushmore? Clearly, because of Jim Crow. Clearly. Height of Jim Crow. Height of Jim Crow. Uh, how about the Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Des Moines, Iowa? Or uh, how about the Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Indianapolis, Indiana? How about those monuments? Um, all erected during the height of Jim Crow. I mean, we could go down the line with this. Massachusetts, uh, we've got monuments put up in the 1870s and 80s. Michigan, we've got monuments put up uh, the, in, in the early 1900s and late 1800s. The same time all the, these monuments were being put up in the South, they were being put up in the North. So if they're, all, if they're put up at the height of Jim Crow, as this guy says, I mean, here he, he clearly says, these monuments were dedicated to the heyday of Jim Crow. So were all these other monuments. So, I mean, and the North was also segregated, de facto segregated. It wasn't maybe de jure segregated. This is what C. Van Woodward said. The North has no room to lecture the South on segregation because they did it all the time. In fact, the last places to be segregated were in Boston. Desegregated were in Boston, right? So they did it all the time. Uh, it's just that it wasn't de jure, but it was still there. So, I mean, should we should we tear down all these monuments as well? Because they were erected at the height of Jim Crow. Right at the height of Jim Crow. 
And these statues were erected to commemorate white supremacists, this Nimrod says. Okay, well, let's talk about white supremacists. Certainly, Southerners, you can't get around the fact that Southerners uh, in, the, in this period of time were quote-unquote white supremacists. I mean, so was there just about every American in the United States. Uh, and this is a piece I wrote a couple of years ago, is white supremacy and exclusively Southern ideology. Um, I wrote it in May of 2016. Um, and so let's look at a couple of um, uh, uh, some, some of these uh, some of these noble northerners, like David Wilmot of Pennsylvania, who's famously uh, given credit for the Wilmot Proviso, which was a rider to a defense bill which would have eliminated slavery in the north, in the, in the, in the territory acquired from the Mexican War, right? It would eliminate slavery there. You couldn't have had slavery in the territory there. Um, he wrote this about the proviso, quote, it was the cause and the rights of the white freemen, and I would preserve to, the, to free white labor a fair country, a rich inheritance, where the sons of toil of my own race and own color can live by dis- without the disgrace which uh, association with Negro slavery brings upon free labor. So he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm writing this legislation for white men. The Wilmot proviso was there for white men. I'm not going to use some of the language that I had to use in this because it's a family-friendly podcast. But if you want to go out there and read these quotes, I mean, they're there. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, William, uh, let's see. William Sawyer of Ohio, at the Ohio Convention for Revision of the State Constitution said, quote, The United States were designed by God in heaven to be governed and inhabited by the Anglo-Saxon race and by them alone. Blacks are very little removed from the condition of dumb beasts. They wallowed in the mire like hogs, and there was nothing of civilization in the aboriginal conditions. This is a northerner, William Sawyer, in 1850, saying this. So clearly, this guy, noble, noble man. And these are the people that went to war against the South. Uh, We can talk about Benjamin Wade, who was one of the most famous radical Republicans. Uh, This guy used the uh, the N-word freely uh, in in his, (laughs) what he said about things. Uh, And yet... Oh, no, noble people here. Uh, William Seward, the Secretary of State, said that blacks were, quote, a foreign and feeble element like the Indian, incapable of assimilation, assimilation and unwisely unnecessarily transplanted to our fields. Uh, an Ohio Republican pleaded with the Democrats to, quote, stop shouting Sambo at us. We have no Sambo in our platform. We object to Sambo. We don't want him about we insist that he shall not be forced upon us. He said the Republican Party was, was created for the benefit of the white race alone. Ah, and here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention one of these, this soldier and sailor's monument. The, the one in Des Moines, Iowa. So let me go back to the soldier and sailor's monument in Des Moines, Iowa. There was actually a publication uh, written in 1898 through the Iowa Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Des Moines. Um, and <clears throat> this is what the, the book, there's a pamphlet written on this in 1898. This is what the book says. This beautiful structure, which commemorates the noblest epic of our history as a state, owes its inception to one of whom Iowa has ever been justly proud, Honorable James Harlan. From his honored position in Lincoln's cabinet, he was enabled to keep faithful watch of the important role of the Iowa troops and the War of the Rebellion. He at first gave the 
germ thought to a few friends, among them Harriet Ketchum, to whom we are indebted in, uh, for crystallizing the same. Later, Mr. Harlan formed a resolution for the legislature, which was first endorsed by McFarland Post, et cetera, et cetera. So James Harlan is responsible for the Iowa Soldiers and Sailors Monument in Des Moines, Iowa. This is what James Harlan said when he was a United States senator, senator from Iowa in 1860. Quote, Shall the territories be Africanized? To which he answered that he favored territorial extension for the white race alone. So here we have a monument dedicated to a white supremacist in Des Moines, Iowa. Should we tear that one down? Mr. Doofus, who sent me an email. Should we tear that one down? How about it? Because clearly he says that, that the, the, the Western territories, including Iowa, should be for the white race alone. That's what he said. And this is the guy behind the Iowa Monument, Des Moines, Iowa, the Soldiers and Sail Monument. It's a huge monument, beautiful piece of art, a beautiful piece of art. You go and you look at this thing and you think, wow, that is amazing. It is a supreme honor for the soldiers and sailors who fought for the North to have that monument there. And it, this book goes and outlines all the people that were involved uh, in, in the creation and sculpture and, and the, the inspiration for the reliefs. But here's James Harlan saying that, hey, you know what? These Western territories need to be for white people. We don't want any black people around. So is this monument dedicated to white supremacists? I would say so. Why aren't people protesting that one? A Kansian writing to the New York Tribune in 1855 summarized the sentiment of most Northern Republicans and Democrats. First, then not be deceived in the character of the anti-slavery feeling. Many who are known as free state men are not anti-slavery under Northern exception of the word. They are more properly Negro haters who vote free state to keep Negroes out, free or slave. One half of them would go for slavery if Negroes were allowed to be here at all. The inherent sinfulness of slavery is not one thought of by them. One third of the free state party is made up of men who act from convictions of conscience. The remaining two thirds are free state men from conviction that the profits of freedom, derivable in the shape of customers, would be greater if than if slavery exist, existed. So these people, they, they don't like black people. They're Negro haters, as he said. In all Midwestern states in the 1850s, referendums extending voting rights to blacks were defeated by crushing majorities. Uh, Alexis de Tocqueville described the situation for black northerners in his democracy in America. So the Negro in the North is free, but he cannot share the rights, pleasures, labors, greed. So you're in the tomb of whom whose, whose equally has been declared. There is nowhere we can meet him, neither in life nor in death. Uh, the most infamous photo of a lynching of Thomas Ship and Abraham uh, Abram Smith, I'm sorry, was taken in Indiana in 1930. Indiana. Uh, but, and we could, of course, get into uh, Lincoln, the Lincoln Memorial, who Lincoln very famously said, I am not in favor of making voters or jurors of Negroes nor of qualifying them to hold office nor to intermarry with white people. Or he also said, I am in favor of the, to the race to which I belong, having the superior position. That's Abraham Lincoln. That is a quote of white supremacy. So here you have Mr. Knucklehead writing an email saying that these monuments went up for white. But why, why, yeah, why would anyone want to glorify these people, right? Why would anyone want to glorify Abraham Lincoln? I agree. Why would anyone want to glorify James Harlan and the 
uh, soldiers and sailors there of Iowa, right? Because why would anyone want to do that? And of course, when the Emancipation Proclamation was issued, you had mass desertions in the Union Army. You had so soldiers writing, I'm not fighting to free slaves. I'm not fighting for blacks, whatever it was. So why would we want to glorify these people anywhere? Anywhere, Mr. Doofus? Why would we want to do that? Or how about uh, the uh, the fact that then you have this, of course, a, um, a persistent myth that goes around that somehow, somehow, um, Republican, the Republican Party was created and there were no slaveholders in the Republican Party. Here's a quote. Wrong and ignorant. No slave, no Republican ever owned a slave. And it makes no sense what they would, or why would a Republican Party, uh, somebody from the Republican Party own a slave? As the party was founded in 1854 by abolitionist free soldiers and anti-slavery Whigs with the express mission of abolishing slavery, it was... I mean, you, you, you would get that from what you read there. In fact, they never said anything about abolishing slavery. And Republicans did own slaves. The largest slaveholder in Delaware in 1863, 1862, he owned 27 slaves. He was a Republican. I mean, was U.S. Grant a Republican? Because he owned slaves. We could, we could, we could go through that, but... The Republican Party was never founded as an anti-slavery party. As I just read, the people, the anti-slavery people are just simply, they don't want blacks around. I mean, they don't want them in the Western territories. They don't want any of that. So this is where you get these stupid people that send emails like this and say, yeah, I mean, here we go. We, we you know, you're, you, we're going to take down monuments to Southerners because these people were white supremacists since Jim Crow. Well, so, I mean, it's amazing that these monuments across the United States are going up 50 years after the war. 25 years after the war. I mean, it has nothing to do with it. It has nothing to do with the fact that a lot of these men were getting older and they wanted to commemorate this most traumatic event in American history, a war that cost a million people, uh, that had a million casualties, killed and wounded. Nobody wanted to you know, reflect on that at all. Nobody was interested in reconciliation, which is why Union veterans showed up at Confederate monuments and vice versa. Nobody was interested in that. Uh, or how about the Confederate monument in Chicago that was put up, uh, of course, uh, during this time period, the, the um, late 1800s, during the height of Jim Crow, it had 100,000 people, including President Grover Cleveland, who attended. That No, no. I mean, that's all about white supremacy, right? has nothing to do with the fact these were put up dedicated to soldiers and sailors who lost their lives or were wounded or suffered tremendously during this war. We can talk about whether the war should have happened or not. We can talk about why it happened. But clearly these monuments, north and south, were going up in honor of soldiers and sailors who fought in the war. They were memorials to those individuals on both sides. And the northerners who were being shot at were more than happy to help put these monuments up in the south or to have a monument at Arlington or whatever the case may be. These people were happy to do it. The ones that could have been the most vindictive you shot it. You killed some of my friends. And yet here they are shaking hands across the chasm saying, you know, we need to bury that. Let's have monuments to both sides. Let's say it, you know, this happened. We'll respect the honor and value of both groups. We'll, we'll honor Robert E. Lee as a great American. We'll honor Stonewall Jackson as a great American. Southerners would say Abraham Lincoln was a great American. And we'll all move forward in this new Americanism that's created by the war. That happened. That's reconciliation. You see, what's happening here is we're attacking reconciliation. 
Southerners no longer a part of the American. John F. Kennedy stands up in 1960 and says, you know what I love about the South? I love the fact that Southerners love history, and they've, they've added so much to the American story and American history. That's what I love about the South. He said it in North Carolina. That's what I like about the South. Uh, but, hey, that's now, I mean, John, now John F. Kennedy, pictured in front of Confederate flags, has to be taken down because he said some things favorable about the South. I mean, he, he respected John C. Calhoun, my God. He, he, he said John C. Calhoun was one of the greatest senators in American history. Well, how can you do that? That, that. <gasps> John C. Calhoun, the defender of slavery, as Samuel Flagg Bemis called him. And this is how stupid this stuff really is getting. And then you have these nincompoops that send stuff out that don't, I mean, have no concept about American history, and they just they, they believe in platitudes and slogans and chants, and they read The Atlantic, or they read some you know Facebook post, or some stupid thing like that, and they think, oh yeah, this is it, right here, we're, this is, and all they have to do is go out and dig a little bit, and they find that, oh, wait a second here, these Northerners weren't really fighting against slavery, uh, Southerners weren't really fighting for slavery, um, you know, the soldiers, uh, so what's going on here? It doesn't take much, it's not hard to do. It's not hard to do at all. In fact, the piece that he's criticizing, the, the, the man who wrote it, it's a young man, he just went out to Google Books, I think, or you know, Internet Archive and found the dedication ceremony. It's right there. You can read all the speeches. It's right there. And yet professional historians don't have time to do so. Why? Because that doesn't fit their narrative. These things have to come down because their feelings are hurt for whatever reason. Uh, we live in an era of people with hurt feelings. And history is complex. History is not always um, something that is uh, is palatable to the to the modern sensibility, but it's important, and we have to honor what it is. And tearing down statues statues don't hurt anybody. It's just this is just stupid. It's a deflection from real issues. So where do we stop though? I mean, if we're gonna if we're gonna tear down statues to white supremacy, then we need to go after the Lincoln Memorial. We need to go after these. Soldiers' monuments in, in Iowa and other places and Indiana and Illinois. We need to go after those. We need to go after all these monuments because they were all erected by white supremacists or in a white supremacist during the height of Jim Crow. I mean, these arguments just fall apart if you just see when monuments were erected. It's so stupid. It's so stupid that it almost doesn't even deserve a response. But when you get things like this and you get knuckleheads saying the Republican Party was never, it was no slave owners were ever in the Republican This is Dinesh D'Souza and uh, uh, David Barton and these morons that put out that lie. Uh, I mean, look, I'm an equal opportunity basher when it comes to these people that don't, uh, that don't know what they're talking about. Um, and that's all because of politics is what they're doing there. And this is stupid. Uh, so uh, the fact is the, the record shows that this is a more complex than just what this, uh, what this doofus sent me in an email. So, hey, a lot of fun, though. Uh, it gives me great podcast fodder. And I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode of The Brian McClanahan Show. And I will see you next time. <laughs>